0: From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 17th of March, 2022. It's St. Paddy's Day and uh, this is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business, finance, central banks and beyond. Right, Scotty?
1: Absolutely. Hopefully you're toasting another successful day on the markets with a Guinness at a local Irish pub.
0: That sounds so good good right now can we get through this so that we can go and perhaps
1: let's wrap it up right now the market finished up about one percent we'll see tomorrow no it was a very
0: interesting day out there scotty you know it as well as i do but just to sum it up the xjo did end at one up one percent 7251 you know i love this i love my little but week to date up close to three percent i think that's
1: that's what I love about you. Always the optimist. Well, Always I mean, pointing out those positives. There's so many out there, even in bleak times.
0: Exactly. But I mean, it, I think it's just extraordinary when you consider what's happened in Europe, when you consider what's happened in China, when you consider the sell-off that we have had in 2022 so far. Interest rates are rising. I mean, it's happened in the US, the Global Central Bank moving to lift rates. Um, but then today we saw this massive rebound in Chinese markets. I mean, as of the time of recording, this podcast the Hang Seng is up by 6.5%. China's authorities have the markets back.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, it's happened in the past. Anyone who's been watching it knows about the national team or the, the plunge protection yeah. team, depending on how you go and refer to them. Uh, I wouldn't put on Twitter today. I've got no no shame about saying it. No one manipulates the market better than the state-backed authorities in China. In both directions, of course. We're talking about a big rebound now, but uh, look, at, look at the chart over the course of this year. It's uh, been pretty ugly.
0: But look at the strength in the Aussie dollar that we're seeing right now as well. Um, you know, at seventy three oh seven as we're recording, it's pretty incredible. Hey, what happened in iron ore today? I don't even know. It mooned. Yeah, Did well, it? it was
1: about six percent higher. Yeah, it was l- six
0: percent higher overnight as well.
1: Yeah, so, darling, futures no. Yeah, there'll be a smaller game for spot markets tonight. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, all the love is coming back for the Chinese property developers. The risks that are apparently all in the other the property developers have now been uh, solved. Uh, I'm still sceptical. I haven't seen much uh, price down. I don't know how leveraged a lot of those uh, those finance are still out there. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, let's just run through some of those companies that outperformed today. And it was in the tech space primarily, so you've got um, you know, the likes of PointsBet Holdings up by 10%, Block up 10%, Zip up 10%. <laughs> I could go on, but EML Payments was up by 7%, but this one is up on news. Yesterday, it did a deal to get into uh, the payments system in a more meaningful way in Europe via an entity in Spain, Again, it was the stock of the day. I sat down with Ben Clark from TMS Capital and Andrew Page from strawman.com. Here's what they had to say about email.
1: This latest opportunity that they're getting into. In Europe alone, it's a $30 billion market in terms of these employee benefit um, processes. And I think what's interesting about it is it just shows the versatility of the back-end platform that they've got running here in terms, you know, things like fintech disruptor are terms that get thrown around quite a bit and not always in a, in a correct fashion. But I think that's a very apt label for EML. You know, 20% revenue growth just recently in the most recent half, big strong pipeline, shares probably should have come down um, a little bit, but I think they've gotten into a territory where they're, they're pretty exciting. So, yeah, I think it's a good buying opportunity. I think there's some there's some tech businesses out there where you know that the business is just in fantastic shape the earnings are flying they had great results in February and upgraded guidance for the year and they have also been sold off heavily from where they were at jam one and I'd you know for me probably a little bit more risk averse but I I'd probably gravitate more to um, one of those sort of businesses. It's I'll go a hold yeah. because it has come off a long way um, and you know hopefully they're through the worst of the regulatory issues that they've had.
0: Yep, so there you go, one buy, one hold. It's getting into the employment benefits market in Spain and UBS I was reading a note from them today on EML saying that look it is uh, allows it to really expand. They said that it could actually be transformational for the company. It's using its existing technology. All check, check, check. And they have a buy on the company and price target ah four dollars, twenty five maybe. It's it, I don't have my notes in front of me, but um, so there you go. Trans- you can-
1: transformational. That's the biggest like no corporate uh, no. Words. Yeah, well,
0: it's a significant – um I think the, they also use the word significant in there as well. Well, we, well that's a Significant opportunity. And hasn't
1: that Andrew Page come a long way from the days that I was thinking I'd roll around with him for the Comsec, uh <laughs> Investor roadshow? I don't shows. know.
0: You can tell me all about um, it off air yeah, if you like.
1: Yeah, this would be uh, R-rated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, look, Andrew Page is a good guy. So there you go. I um, mean, you can listen to that entire episode of The Call. You can access it in podcast form if – that's your deal, which it seems like it is. Or you can access it via the website, osbiz.com.au And um, there's another company that got a buy from both of our guests. Some, um, they call it very, very high quality and at a good price right now. So that is your
1: tease. Oh, yeah. We love the medtech stocks.
0: Uh-huh. Speaking of, you can't keep any. Anyways, I didn't give it I can't away. I tell you anything. There
1: are so many out there in the Well, our here, universe. there's
0: another one that you can listen to via the show notes. Coming from Zach Riaz from Banyan Tree three quality stocks for a good price. You don't know what's in that one, do you? No. Didn't watch, did you? No.
1: I was getting <laughs> getting ready for the uh, the Global View.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of, you talked tech, did you, on the Global View?
1: Yeah, and Abam from 7investing came and joined me. Oh, he's me. good
0: quality. Yeah, I'm
1: talking about uh, some of those software as a service and uh, cloud computing names that have been beaten up. And uh, whether the uh, the bounce we've seen over the past couple of sessions is the beginning of a bigger move. And he gave some names as to what he and uh, I likes at the moment. And, uh, and then we finished off having a chat about Tesla and whether it's under threat from not only high commodity prices and uh, input prices for the cars, but uh, the bevy of uh, suitors who want to go and take its mantle as being yep. the EV king, yeah. including Ford.
0: Yeah, I had a conversation along those lines with him a while back. So I'll listen to see if his views have changed at all since then. Uh, Look, we don't talk a lot about it, but the Chinese EV manufacturers also are uh, roaring up behind Tesla in Mm. a big way. Uh, Um,
1: I've made my views on Tesla. Look, I think it's a fantastic company, but uh, there's so much competition out there, including mm. a lot of those legacy manufacturers. When they go and get the mix right, I reckon that uh, they're going to go and give Tesla a serious run for their money.
0: What do you want to start with on the macro front? Would you like to start with the U.S. Fed, which I feel pretty much all has been said that can't be said right at this point. And I'm not being just flippant about it. Mm. It's that we have been talking about this anticipated rate hike for so long. Or would you like to talk about the RBA, of course, and um, whether or not expectations around the RBA have changed significantly in the wake of today's Blockbuster Jobs Report?
1: Uh, Look, expectations were already changing. I think the tone of the minutes that came out... Uh, earlier this week, where it said that upside risks to, uh, to wage growth were emerging. That's an emission that we haven't heard a lot recently. And uh, today's data just goes and reasserts that the upside risks are there. Uh, we are at levels that uh, are almost unprecedented. Uh, we've got a record number of Australians working. That's just not uh, based off uh, no, the bigger population, but uh, literally the participation rate are record highs. Employment of population, record highs. Uh, it is as tight as a drum. Now, go out there and ask for pay increases. That's the only way it's going to go and get uh, that wage growth to go and start lifting in any meaningful way in a very, very timely manner.
0: So where does the conversation around the Fed head now? I mean, QT uh, will likely be fleshed out further in May. Um, is it just that terminal rate that uh, everybody's been referring to all day today that, um, you know, we're, we could be struggling to see any sort of return to n- what used to be normal, I suppose, in terms of rates?
1: Yeah, debt levels are the, are the kicker here. And productivity as well is another thing, as is population growth. Uh, everything points to lower terminal rates each cycle at the moment. And uh, the Fed has obviously gone and kicked off a new one here. But uh, to go and say that uh, no, over the next uh, two years or so, they'll go and get that Fed fund rate up to around 2.8% or so. I am highly sceptical. I'd be amazed if they probably get halfway there with QT underway, if that doesn't really do some serious slowdown in the economy. I think that the fiscal impulse as well isn't getting enough attention and the composition as to how households have got that excess savings. so It is concentrated in the higher uh, socio-demographic oh, yeah. areas and they are much less inclined to go and spend than uh, lower and middle income groups.
0: Now, Scuddy, um, we are Friday tomorrow already. Pretty, pretty quick week, really. Um, we are still in the midst of war in Europe, which, again, you know, is pretty incredible. Mm. That uh, I don't think it's being looked through, but at least some of the the really sh- sharp moves in relation to the advent of war have been washing through markets, and I mean that's that's sort of par for course when these. Geopolitical flare-ups happen, but it's been a pretty marked pullback in commodities, particularly in oil.
1: Yeah, that supply risk, the perceived supply risk, has certainly been discounted a little bit now from what it was. But you no, know, it's a very fluid situation. The bombing in yeah, Kiev, from what I uh, what I was uh, reading this morning and uh, and seeing a bit of footage, looks like it's uh, anything but slowing down. So we'll see what uh, what takes place, but uh, no talks seem to be progressing uh, no reasonably for the time being. Both sides are saying that, which is positive, but uh, things can change very quickly. And uh, in war, all it takes is one mistake, and uh, we know what happens. So hopefully, that doesn't go and take.
0: Yeah, place. no, I really hope that some some progress is made on those talks. Um, tomorrow, well, tonight, we've got the usual sort of um, releases that come out in the US that includes the jobless claims report. I can't remember off the top of my head what else was there, but I think we've just been so obsessed about the Fed that uh, all the other data has sort of become second tier. Um, and as far as what's happening here tomorrow, look, we got the big one out of the way today with jobs. So tomorrow, again, a lot of the focus will clearly be on the, you know, the session that comes now in Europe with the BOE set to hike rates as well, and um, the aftermath of that hike in the U.S. and the real rally that we saw in the wake of that. We'll be speaking with Tim Holland from TJM. First thing in the morning, I'm looking forward to that. He spent a lot of time in China. He's a China investor. He knows it inside out, so we'll be asking him the, the hard questions about China and where to from here. And uh, James Whelan, you get a chance to speak with your buddy there from VSS FS Group,
1: Oh, it's going to be the highlight of my day. Sure, it will be. I I saw a photo of him today wearing a little uh, golf cap, and uh, I'm sure he was probably getting uh, stuck into a Guinness or Kilkenny or something like that. Yeah, I can't
0: imagine him letting St. Paddy's Day pass him by. And it's a small cap special for the call, Claude Walker from A Rich Life, Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital. It's a great list of stocks. I've seen it. So that's a good way to end the week for the call. And then, of course, Scotty, we've got the last call. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we toast the week. We make sure that we've covered all this, you know, com- big company news. There wasn't much big company news this week, I've got to say. I digress. But, you know, it's it's that post-reporting season lull. Lots of central bank action. It's just not a lot of, um, yeah, not a lot happening out there right now.
1: Yeah, I dare say the, uh, the macro panel uh, might get a bit of a run longer than normal tom- yeah. tomorrow because yeah. there has been a little bit to go and uh, discuss.
0: Okay, so industrial production in the States, housing starts, building permits, initial jobless claims. Let's call it a day. It's been a long one. We were all up listening to Jay Powell this morning, and uh, we'll Absolutely. see you tomorrow.
1: Yeah. I'm a hardy. Let's go get a Guinness.
0: <laughs> Sick of being upsold at gyms?